95. Pulse 95 Live with Abdul Karim and Aisha. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Center Sharjah. Live from the Sharjah Expo Center, it is going to be an amazing conversation because we really are cooking up a storm. Now, apart from the books, apart from all the, the talks that are taking place here at the Sharjah International Book Fair, the Cookery Corner has been one of the most popular ones because we all love to have a great food. And um, Aisha spoke to me yesterday in greater detail about uh, Greek food. Now, yeah. I don't have much knowledge about it. I mean, I've, I've had it on occasion, but sometimes it's very difficult to remember the names of Greek food. And that's, you know, I'm not the only one, uh, probably and hopefully, uh, on that boat. But we're very kindly uh, joined by our guest this morning, um, Mariana. Thank you for joining, joining us today. Me. Good morning. Good afternoon and great to have you on board with us. Now, let's start off talking about Charger Book Fair. Uh, how's the experience been for you so far? And uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, it's been absolutely amazing, actually. Um, I'm quite stunned with the size of the fair and um, just all the books. Yeah. I absolutely love books, right? So I've just been um, using my spare time going round and just looking at kind of cover after cover after cover. I love the fact that they've got loads of things for kids because... I have a little one at home waiting for me, so he's expecting a lot of books. <laughs> um, being here has been amazing. Everyone's lovely. Um, the cookery corner is fantastic. My helpers are just the best thing on the planet, and um, I've had a really, really good time. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're very happy to have you here in the Emirate of Sharjah and the city of Sharjah. Mariana, tell us when did your love for food begin? Right, well that's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so I am from Crete, yeah. as you know, in Greece. Um, I am the daughter of a fisherman and I am the child of restaurateurs. So basically, mm. I was almost born in a restaurant. Yeah. Um, I loved, I always loved eating amazing um, food. I was surrounded um, by amazing mamas and family members and obviously being in our restaurant and having my dad catching fresh fish every single day was a, a gift, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I never wanted to be a chef. It wasn't wasn't my dream I never wanted to do that I never thought that that's what I wanted mm -hmm. um, so I left and I um, studied in the UK yeah I left Crete and I studied psychology and then I did a master's in forensic psychology and wow. then I worked in the field for a bit and then I took some time off for traveling because I just wanted to explore the world mm -hmm. and I think giving myself a bit of extra time and being very reliant on food on my travels, um, generally going to markets, just having time to stop and think about food more is what did it for me. Um, so I think that came later. Mm. My passion mm. was reignited, my love was reignited later, but it was so strong that I kind of made a change mm -hmm. very quickly and, you know, was desperate to become a chef. I think um, what why I've noticed, even as I'm growing up right now and I'm going to be turning 30 next year, 
And I always thought, oh, by the age of 29, 28, 30, I'm going to know myself. I'm going to know everything about myself. But something around this time, when I reach this age, I'm actually looking back to the things that I used to enjoy when I was younger, whether it was when I was a child or when I was a teenager, and trying to basically immerse myself in that all over again. So I fully understand how at some point you said, I'm going to leave. This is not for me. But then something struck you back and took you back all the way to your younger self, your home and how you grew up. And it's very interesting that now that you have this new goal of I love food, you realize your love for food, you went tomorrow in London. And what kind of strength and encouragement did you have to foster within yourself to walk in and say, I would like to work here? It was really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved Moro, I knew Moro, and it was an inspiration for me while I was a student in Kent. Um, I saved all my money as a student to go and eat at Moro. It was amazing. Um, I couldn't believe how I was trying flavours that were completely new to me um, in comparison to the food I'd had, you know, back home. At the same time, familiar and elevated and richer and just more exciting. And, you know, they had open fires, they had a wood oven, and, you know, they made sourdough every day and they had charcoal. and things that I hadn't seen in England for a long time so it was like gosh this is amazing so when I decided to pursue um, my path as a chef it was the only place I wanted to knock on their door it was the only place I wanted to go because I was like I will learn a lot and I did and I think the greatest gift I received from uh, Sam and Sam Clark, is, which are the owners of Morrow, is they gave me the tools to be able to marry Greek food with Middle Eastern food. And I think that's what excites me most in my way of cooking, that it's a marriage of cultures that really complement each other. Um, so yeah, it was a hard road, it was quite a difficult decision, I had to work extremely hard because I wasn't a trained chef at all, so I had to teach myself sacks of onions in my little bed sit, <laughs> learning to chop and you know, just head down, hard work for years, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it definitely paid off. I'd like to build on that. So you, why did you choose Middle Eastern cuisine to create that fusion? And secondly, um, a lot of people tend to say this, uh, and so it's a belief that whenever they travel, they try to find themselves. Can you talk to us a little bit about yourself after your work in forensics? How did you find yourself? Was there a moment where you th- thought that this was the turning point on your travels to say, you know what, food is where I'm going to be at? No, I I never lost myself. It wasn't like losing myself. I was very happy with my studies. I I thought at that point that's what I wanted to do. And then I did it. And then I decided that actually it didn't make me as happy as I thought. Mm. And then my um, love for food, uh, surrounded all my life by very, very good food, you know, just came back. And I was like, you know what? We can't let things go. And I think it's more like, you know, you referred to earlier that, you know, you might be 30 and you think of, I should know things. We'll never know. 
But I think it's worth pursuing what comes to us in terms of wishes and, and things that we want to do because that's the only way we can kind of keep ourselves happy at any given time. I don't know what I really want to do. Yes, now I really want to cook and if that changes in 10 years, I'll so see what I'll yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I think it's that. It's not so much about, I don't feel I went on a journey of losing myself and finding myself. Mm. I matured through my travels mm -hmm. and it gave me the confidence and the ability, having seen more of the world, mm to understand that following your dreams is important. Makes you sense, know. yeah. Very valid mm -hmm. point. Any particular cuisine that you think, apart from the Middle Eastern one, which you've decided to uh, blend it with where, during your travels as well, where you really inspired by and thought, you know what, this really is, it stands out. Well, I, I what other cuisines yes. you mean? Well, I really love Asian cuisines. Yeah. I just find them really hard <laughs> to, to, to produce myself. And I think they, they're so simple in a way mm. Mm -hmm. but so complicated yep. and I think they're the kind of cuisines that you need to have those initial steps in life that initial guidance from your mama or your granny or someone mm. making those amazing broths yeah. making creating those flavors seeing the method of production of a dish so I'd say that's my favorite but I am really bad at reproducing it at home whenever I try. Mm. <laughs> and um, just like um, Abdul Karim said earlier, we do have an idea of cuisine. Um, like we said yesterday, tzatziki, everybody knows tzatziki, we know the basics of it, but Crete's cuisine, that's specific. And obviously, whenever you look at any region in the world, like you said, if you say Asia, you go, you go which part of Asia are you referring yeah. to? And even if you say China, and you say, what part of China? You need to be yeah. more specific. Same goes for all cultures and all countries of the world. So Crete's cuisine, what does it include and what is it all about? Um, you're absolutely right there. You know, me saying Asian food is like, I don't have an idea, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> yes. the umbrella is, yes. is, is massive, mm -hmm. you know, and I appreciate that. Um, Cretan cuisine is very different in mm -hmm. some ways, obviously, you know, holds strong bonds with the rest of Greece, but mm -hmm. quite different in terms of the island um, provides, you know, water and mountainous areas at very kind of close distances mm -hmm. so you know you are by the sea and there's an abundance of fish and mm. then you go into the mountainous villages and it's you know um, meat and goats and muttons and uh, foraged mm -hmm. meat as well you know from hunting um, so at the same time there is a great use of fresh produce vegetables and an enormous consumption of pulses mm -hmm. together with olive oil. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think, you know, mentioning, I would say, you know, generally speaking, the cuisine is quite simple. And what it does is it focuses on very, very good ingredients and seasonal ingredients. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the two things, together with obviously a lot and a lot and a lot of olive oil, because, you know, you just pour it, mm. you know, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I think those are the characteristics, but it's 
basically a vegetarian diet really mm -hmm. you know and traditionally going back you know when all those studies were done you know about um, people's diets and how and longevity you mm -hmm. know it's like basically they're vegetarians mm -hmm. with a tiny bit of meat consumption mm -hmm fish a bit more than meat and you know lots of foraged wild foods I mean mm -hmm. obviously in this time you know things change and sure. you know everyone consumes things that are not as healthy and it mm. would be great to still consume that diet um, but I think I think that it's the simplicity the freshness and the seasonality are the three things that I would say really represent food in Crete amazing mm -hmm. Well, I've got to ask you this as well, because, um, uh, well, before my retirement from cooking, which was happened because of uh, cooking disasters, uh, were there any kitchen disasters that really, you think, you know, are still the top of your mind, thinking, wow, that was a very difficult period? You know, if you've, if you've got experience in kitchen, I mean, I'm, I, my cheeks are hurting from <laughs> wanting to laugh now. It's, it's, every shift is, uh, is a bit of an adventure yeah. ride, isn't it? So um, there's lots of uh, strong personalities. There's lots of uh, oh, yeah. mm, strong emotions, you know. So there's funny things that happen in kitchens. But I think... I think one of the funniest things actually that I experienced that I'll never forget is we were um, in Morrow Kitchen and this is quite a few years ago and it's a linear kitchen, cooking stations are behind you and you've got a pass and you have a full visibility of the customers and yeah. the restaurant. And I was um, running a shift and you know, chefs on either side and stations and they I heard this, ma, uh, ma, ma, Mariana, 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 Mariana. I was like, what? What? You know, we were really busy, and I just turned round, and a massive metal container with like 30 kilos of charcoal had gone up in flames. Oh wow! Because a piece of charcoal from the actual. <laughs> pit that was um, lit, you know, just fell into the container oh and the God. panic or in a, because it, it was a big fire suddenly yeah. in an open kitchen with a full restaurant and it was like, well, how do we, how do we do that? We did wow. put it out. We mm -hmm. threw wet of cloths on it. It was absolutely fine. But I do remember my chef's voice. I can still hear her voice kind of not even being able to say my whole name. Yeah. You know, she's like, help, help, basically, help me, help me. I've done this, you know. So that was a funny moment. We still talk about that. Um, no bad disasters we had good kitchens we you know the teams were together we looked after each other obviously there's emotions going up and down but nothing ever bad no so basically they had the customers had a dinner and a show yes yeah i mean customers love seeing the chefs cook yeah you know it's a thing now yeah. i mean you see open kitchens absolutely everywhere when Morrow did it, they weren't everywhere. They were in basements mostly, mm. you know. So, I mean, not only, you mm. know, but very few. So now it's a very, very kind of regular thing and you see it all the time. But um, so there's always something nice. It just brings you closer, right? Mm. You just, mm. it kind of creates a better environment when you can see the customers. 
And you also behave better, obviously, yeah. because you can't start shouting in the kitchen if you've got, you know, 200 customers there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you have to behave. They love it. So mm -hmm. it, it's a great thing, you know. I, I think open kitchens are fantastic. Yeah, mm -hmm. Brilliant combination, yeah. indeed. Um, I've got to touch on the, the ethnic side as well. Um, you've got a book that's named after the Aegean Sea? Yes. So um, I wrote my book. Um, it's it's more like a journal, really. Okay. It's, it's got beautiful photography by um, Elena Heatherwick, and she really, um, we bonded, and she really understood what I wanted to do with my book, which was reminisce and bring back the, the childhood memories that I had um, regarding food that were at a time where I didn't mm. want to be a chef, mm. were at a time when I was a young child, but you know, mm. they were still there and I wanted to write about them. I wanted to write about aunts and uncles and gardens and, you know, being stung by bees and hanging octopus and, mm. and washing lines. So, um, it worked really well. So it's like a journal, really. Right. Mm -hmm. My book, Aegean, is a journal. And it does, you know, it's called Aegean because the Aegean Sea has these, you know, covers areas that really, really represent my food mm -hmm. and the way I like to cook. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I feel it's an amazing uh, achievement and I'm... I'm very happy I've got it because it's something that will stay in our family forever. And it will stay in a lot of people's minds forever as well and hopefully in their bookshelves. Right. And the process of writing in general, when you're writing a just a fiction or non-fiction, it's quite difficult in the process. But when you think about a cookbook or like you said, sort of like a cooking journal, that is what the Aegean book that you created, the cookbook. Um, when it came to the process, yes, there is recipe testing. There are probably lots of things that were taken out and kept and lots of thought processes happened. Can you walk us through what happened in the making of the Aegean book? Yes, well, um, I had, um, obviously, I have this tendency and I've had this kind of habit, actually, um, since uh, a young child to write things down. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that I wrote my thoughts down in what I would call my blue diary, mm -hmm. um, when I was little, I, as I grew up, I collected recipes in the same way. Mm -hmm. So using, you know, a blue, a blue school notebook, mm -hmm. you know. And that went on. So when the time came and Aegean um, was going to be written, I did have a whole collection of things that over time I had put together snippets of stories, memories, actual um, food ideas. And that was one thing. Mm -hmm. Then obviously, exactly as you said, there is a lot of recipe testing. <laughs> which um, I don't love that part of it, I have to be honest. Oh, you know, wow. I like mm -hmm. being quite um, spontaneous with mm -hmm. my cooking. So repeating the same thing to make sure it really works um, was just like, oh, really? Mm -hmm. It does work, you know. But anyway, that was great as well. And then 
the writing, I was extremely lucky where um, my book didn't get heavily edited at mm. all. So everyone was happy with what they saw and that's how it went, you know. And I basically wrote it when my son was born. So I had a tiny little thing on the desk and I was on the desk with my laptop. <laughs> so Brilliant. we were both there, Every, all, you know, it just worked really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, and I had that time off and, you know, he didn't run around and scream and be very opinionated as he is yeah. now. He was just <laughs> on what, the bed. What's his name? Hermes. Hermes. Well, oh, contributing writer that. for that book as well. So big shout out to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. He was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he did let me write it in peace. Amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, right. Lastly, as we conclude the discussions, um, what, what are we expecting from your participation at the Cookery Corner? What, what are you producing? And um, how excited are you for this? Um, I'm really. Um, I've, I've had. I've done two demonstrations so already. Okay. So um, I've got another one tomorrow. What I've tried to do is uh, bring an idea to the audience. So uh, in the same way, when I travel, I look around me. I open my eyes. I open my ears, and I just kind of want to see where I am, mm -hmm. and I'll cook accordingly. So. Um, what I really wanted to do here is bring something from Greece, bring something that's different, but bring something that will just might spark something in someone to replicate, mm -hmm. even if they don't have the exact same ingredients. And I think what I said to my audiences both times was, this is an idea, it's not a recipe to replicate. So if you don't have feta and you have aged labne, use mm -hmm. that you oh. know if you don't have you know um fresh thyme but you have a really good satire mm -hmm. use that you mm -hmm. know and it's all about you know creating making something your own so it's almost like i put a seed down and then you take it and you plant it wherever you want mm -hmm. so when it grows you see it in your eyes you know mm -hmm. so it, it kind of works like that I've never followed a recipe myself. I always use, I've got hundreds of cookbooks at home and I just like to open them all up and just look Mix at them. them. You know, I, I don't do the one, two, three step. I can mm. do it. Um, so I, that's what I recommend to all the people that, you know, get a GM or follow me or read yeah. about my work. It's just like, let it give you an idea. Let so, it inspire you. Yeah, you know, that's what I like. I had a lot of children today, which was amazing, <laughs> yeah. because I made a, a mussel saranaki, which is a very typical um, Greek dish mm -hmm. with feta and like a softened fennel and onions and tomatoes and then mussels. Mm -hmm. We eat it with fresh bread. And they were so curious. Yeah. They yeah. had some of them, you know, were like, what are these mussels? Are they alive? Mm -hmm. Are they live creatures? It was incredible. And then they all ate the saranaki and they came and they were like, we love that. I was Aww. like, I'm a winner. You yeah. know, I felt really good. And that's what it's about, really. Honestly, I'm a little bit, um, let's say, jealous of the kids for being able to try your saganaki, but I'm hoping to be around when you're doing your next demonstration in the cookery corner. And uh, I wanted to share this. I shared it yesterday with Abdel Karim. And is it safe to say that you're still exploring Emirati cuisine? Is that correct? Yes. So I'm not sure if anybody has mentioned this, but Lokomades, which is a 
well-known um, uh, Grecian dessert, we have the same thing. Exactly the same thing. And can you guess the name? Lukma Lugaymat. Yeah, that, those yes, ones. Yes, <laughs> I've been I've been testing around. Film, like, do you guys know we share the same dessert with Greece? We share so many things. Yeah. You know, we share so many things, and having the opportunity to look into the Arabic cuisine more mm -hmm. has actually kind of go ah, yeah. you know, when because when you're in Crete and you you grow up there and you're surrounded by that culture. There's not many people that will share those influences with you or mm -hmm. help you develop them, mm -hmm. you know. They're always a shyer version of mm -hmm. the Arabic. Mm -hmm. So the you know, it's never like with too much of something. It's always a bit mellow. And then, you know, you enter the Arab world and you're mm -hmm. like, ah, this is how it should be. Exactly. <laughs> you know. But yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love Lukumadas. I have a recipe in my book. Oh, really? Okay, so definitely going to be looking for Aegean in the halls of the Chardon International Book Fair. Chef Mariana, it was amazing chatting with you. And uh, good luck with your next demonstrations. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting to you both. And I'm, I'm really happy I did meet you. So thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Likewise, um, tune in to Pulse95. We're going to continue with our live broadcast from the Sharjah International Book Fair at Expo Center Sharjah. Stay tuned and stay locked. Pulse95 Live with Abdul Karim and Aisha. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Center Sharjah. The heart of Sharjah. Pulse 95. Pulse 95.